Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video and subscribe for future content. For more information about our one-on-one coaching and other training or nutrition options, visit giftedperformance.com. Our newest feature, the Gifted Express, offers premium programming for bodybuilders, powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, and lifestyle clients for only $30 a month. Enjoy the video. We'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay gifted. And welcome back. Another episode of the GPP, Get the Performance Podcast, season two, episode, ah, shit, uh, eight, episode eight. Does that sound right to you guys? I'm in. That's as good as any. So if you are binge watching, you'll know better than us. But this seems like season two, episode eight. Thanks for coming around. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us. Before we get into any of the fun stuff, I'm going to say at the beginning, like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your dogs to spread the word about the Get Performance Pod cast gentlemen anything new to report on the front end of this i heard i heard a rumor you guys want to hear the rumor that i heard of course i heard a rumor that paul serafini is currently taking clients paul can you confirm or deny that i am i'm doing that taking them into my home confirm (laughs) (laughs) yeah paul has a new package on the store um and it is the live with Paul package. It's the full Paul experience. Yeah, for five bu- for five hundred bucks a month, you can sleep on that futon behind him, next to those swords, underneath the gift of performance banner, so you can truly get the experience. He will cook for you. He will clean you. I prefer you. to call it the casting couch. It's the budget yeah, casting that works couch. As well. Ooh, budget too. It's dirty. <laughs> There's like bread. There's like crumbs on it and shit. There's like old weird meat behind it that. No one can identify even what it is. Dog food, human food, who knows? Dude, it's but yeah, for the it's almost like I what would be the price for pancake? What would be the price that you would have to charge a client per month for them to live with you? You cook their food, you like do their laundry, you take them to the gym and train them one on one. What's the monthly rate that you have to charge someone for something like that? What do you think? Like, it's like a couple thousand dollars a month to do all of that five thousand dollars one time five thousand no a month with paul for as long as you want that's literally what parenting is you just named off yeah. all the things that is parenting oh so what is jason we should calculate how much a kid costs oh i calculate and that and would probably it. be the price oh every day I've what, got is grand, what is what is grand pay does grand pay rent yet this guy's paying nothing he is what? a financial non-contributor Fruit to our household. What, what, is, at all. Just what does a kid cost cash. a year? Like 30K? Is that I don't a, want to is... talk about it. 30K on the yeah, light that's end, that's on the low end. <laughs> and then if you send them to private school, like our dumbasses are, uh, who knows? Millions of dollars by the time he's done with school. So there's that. Hopefully he's smart. So my high school, my high school is now... $20,000 a year. That's college, dude. He's not going to be in high school for another 13 years. That's what college fucking So costs. my high school will probably be 25000 a year. Yeah, yeah, yep. I think my high school now so is this, somewhere... uh, this 529 I have for him is probably going to be used for high school. Oh. It's not even going to make no, it to college. Not get there. <laughs> is college going to be real at that point? Or do you plan on putting Blake in the Gifted Performance Assistant Coaching Program right out of high school? I plan on having so much generation wealth that he doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he just sits at home, just smokes opium. No, no, no. He's going to work his ass. He's going to work every day. <laughs> I'm trying to push that trade school on my son. I'm like, hey, buddy, uh, what do you think about this toilet? Do you think... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly... You like playing with these uh, white tubes? <laughs> I feel like trade school is the move, man. Like, uh, when you're that young, you don't know shit about life, what you want to do, who you want to be, you know? Dude, I had a guy come over to service our air conditioner. He was the happiest person on the planet. Dude, crushing it. Just really? enjoying life. Was it I July? I don't think I he was know. happy in July. <laughs> he loved it. He was just the happiest guy. <laughs> like, he was no student loan debt. He, was, he wasn't burdened by anything. Just heat. Just oppressive heat was the only thing that was really holding him down. And then he goes into air conditioning a few times a day. So he really wasn't that disturbed. I do have a friend from my high school who has, uh, he'll remain unnamed, um, who has a serious, serious cocaine habit. And he is a plumber. And he supports that habit and lives comfortably just being a plumber 
Dude, I we know we I know a plumber who absolutely demolishes it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he makes you so know what much it is? money. It's this propaganda around trade skills that like if you try it yourself, you'll completely fuck something up. Like if you try and fix your sink yourself, like your entire house will explode. Or if you try and change the oil in your car, you'll put it in the gas tank and the engine will implode. <laughs> I think about it now. I'm like, I would be so happy if I would have just become a mechanic. Like, I would have been so happy if, like, all I did was turn oh, wrenches yeah. all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the best life. Fuck. Here Simple I am. Life. You don't have to deal with no customer Damn. service. It's just the machine. But exercise scientist. That sounded cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I Thanks, just, I somehow <laughs> just stumbled into. I had like no plans. I was like, oh fuck it, join the army. It's like, oh, I can go to college for free and they'll pay me. Cool. Like knocked it out. And then it was like, okay, get this degree, become an online coach. Don't need the degree. Like, man, that was one of the things like the, the military is one of the things my dad, and he never impressed any, like he was never the kind of dad that's like, you should do this. And he, the one thing he always told me, he was like, you should go to the air force. And I was like, no, son. Dude, I'm trying you to go know to white what, man's man? army, and then now <laughs> I look back and I'm like, "Fuck, he was so right. I should have gone to the Air Force." Dude, like uh, I was thinking about being like, I wish I had known about investing and shit when I was in the military, right? Like I just accumulated just randomly over that time period. I a few times saved up like 20k, so that's like 60k. Over like these last 10 years, if I had known about that, like I'd already have hundreds of thousands of dollars like in the bank, especially with in the last 10 instead, year 15% bull run. You spent thousands of dollars getting pro hormones imported overseas. Not even so that you just getting your, shitty your, with my friends. Your M draw. <laughs> <laughs> just getting <laughs> shitty with my friends. I don't even know where that Boy. money went. No one knows. It's out there somewhere. It's probably buried in a desert somewhere. Paul was like fucked up one night and he was like, I'll remember where this is. It's the this safest investment you can make. Just burying money. <laughs> Just bury money somewhere around your house. Nobody can ever get to it. Your wife. Uh, and then, yeah, it's the safest place for it. We'll cut that out. We need to bleep that right there. We need to use the new Riverside bleep feature on that, that piece right there. <laughs> But speaking of kind of professions and, you know, career stress and, and workplace stress, I think our good friend Matt Cassano, so for our taste of the internet this week, our good friend Matt Cassano, friend of the channel, shared this on his story. And I saw Dom, I saw you reposted it here um, with your own little sidebar. And it was from an AMA that he had on his story. Um, just saying how time consuming and taxing on patients is it to be a coach outside looking in? I think most people see coaching as a relatively stress-free, non-time intensive pursuit. Um, but Matt's input here was he's lucky to have a semi-free day two to three times a month. As soon as I wake up, handful of check-ins, doing consults, responding to emails, messages up until I put my phone down for the evening around eight to nine PM. Dom, you said you have like a, kind of like a similar experience. Do you want to expand upon that point? So, so I think there's a couple ways you could look at a day. Um, I think, or, or not even a day, but there's a couple of ways you could look at workload. There's like hard workload where you're sitting at the computer, working, answering emails, doing Google Sheets, whatever you're doing as hard working, like you're present at the computer sitting. And then there's like the phone calls, text messages, looking at pictures on the go, even that is, you know, a very time consuming. Can I stop too. you so, for one second? I would lump phone never. calls and video calls into the hard work. Dude, nothing drains me more than like having to like talk to somebody for like an hour. I'm like, dude, I need a nap after that. Actually, I so you could count that as hard as hard sitting work. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think with his post, um, we could say like our days is extremely long, but there's, there's a good chunk of that day that you get off the computer at a certain point. And then just that trickle in messaging comes in the trickling, like that kind of stuff comes in. Um, and I think that's where like you have those days where you end up talking to somebody till eight, nine o'clock, but I don't think a lot of coach, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say a, a lot of coaches are physically sitting 
from eight to nine like that. Um, you know, I've, I've had days like that, but I just had so much work. And if I did have a day like that, I was doing multiple different things. I wasn't just working on client check-ins or something like that. Um, but I, I posted it cause a lot of people think like we don't do, like we don't work. Like we just kind of willy nilly do stuff and we don't actually like sit and talk to people. Uh, my mom is actually like one of like she's she thinks like she could call me and I can come over and do something for her because I work from home <laughs> and I work for myself. So that's where like I think the misconception of like what we do is because like my Tuesdays are my busiest days where I start I train at six, seven in the morning. I'm sitting down by eight thirty and I work probably till about four straight just doing uh, just sitting at the computer working and then after four o'clock yeah i get up and i either come home and just start relaxing but i'm still getting text messages that whole time so you know you could say it's a 12-hour day but um i wouldn't consider that a 12-hour work mm. day answering text messages isn't work to me yeah dude i i got 16 unread messages that i need to answer right after this like Dude, I don't know, man. Um, I feel like it's crazy, right? Because I, I've taken one off day this month, and that was Monday. Now, granted, when I work on Saturdays, it's like two or three hours, right? I just write like a couple programs and call it a day or something. And like I try to take them off, but lately it's just worked out that way where there's work on Saturdays. But I think that's the one thing about coaching is just that it's more emotionally taxing because I – it, you never really feel off and it's taken me years to get the balance to where at a certain time I can just like not like answer clients and stuff and um, I don't know man it's just a weird balance to find because it's not like most other jobs where you, you just clock out and you're off it's it's almost like it feels kind of like still being in school to where it's like oh I'm done with my classes today but I still have a bunch of shit to do all the time you know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, I don't think there's anything else I'd rather be doing. Like, I mean, unless I was rich, then like, like yeah, I'd rather be like getting shitty on the beach or something right now. But uh, other than that, though, like when I think about other jobs and other careers, I'm like, nah, this this is pretty cool, man, because I can. Like after this podcast, I'll probably eat lunch and then answer these 16 messages you know, with my feet kicked up on the couch. And then I'll come back here and start like my program writing and stuff for the day, you know? And then I'll have to eat again at three, maybe do something, you know what I mean? Like how many jobs can you do? Can you do that? Just like go make some lunch at your leisure and sit on your couch while you like take care of like some of your work, like on your phone and then come back here, work for a couple hours, maybe take a break, go to the gym, come back, maybe work till like, seven or eight and then like call it a day you know ryan i, I don't think what is your take i, I don't I, i'm not allowed to have a take on this because <laughs> when i'm done doing coaching stuff then i just do like when i'm when i'm done in the business i mostly just work on the business my days are like kind of pretty much I, I take a break in the middle of the day to train for like three hours which is a very long time to train i know um but after that i, I mean i start around 6 37 i'll usually go to my computer start reading start writing up some like educational materials or stuff like that and then i i finish at like 8 8 15 every night with a nice three hour break in the middle from like 1 30 to 4 30 but calls and stuff like that. But I, I would agree with Paul. It's like at no point over the last two and a half years of, of doing gift performance related things full time, would I rather be doing anything else? Like my, my busiest days are usually my happiest and my most fulfilling days. So it's definitely a blessing and a curse in terms of the, the workload, but the enjoyment from it of you know seeing the team grow and, and seeing that the other coaches grow and seeing our projects that we're working on growing is is always fulfilling i'll, I'll work 13 hour days for the rest of my life if it means that Whoa. all of those things are going to grow <laughs> i don't know about 13 hour days like my motivation right now is to try to like 
at some point before I'm 60 get filthy rich because there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. Like I, I, I would like to do this for a long time or as long as probably life will let me, but I'd also like to maybe only do it four hours a day. You know? I think, because uh, when I think about it like this, I'm like, uh, so Dom, how old are you, 26? 27. 27. So, so, wow. By that number, I think I've probably been been a personal trainer or a coach or something for almost as long as Dom has been alive, which is very strange to think about. Um, so I've gone through that whole the roller coaster of like, I'm going to work 12, 13 hour days because I didn't have a family or you know, I, I could just do whatever I wanted. And I'd have like two or three different jobs all the time. Um, and then as I've gotten older and like Paul brought up, I start to look sort of at the horizon, like how much longer can I continue to do this? It's almost like when I realized that I didn't work more, I actually started to work less. Like I started to like give myself very defined, like this is when you start. And this is when you end. If messages keep rolling in, emails keep coming in, it doesn't matter. You just have to stop and you have to move on to the next thing. So yeah. it's not, so I think about what's taxing on or patience. I think that comes in that that's more or less like how much do you allow it to become taxing on your own patience? Like how much do you allow it to infringe on your life? That's kind of up to the individual. I think some people watch like, uh, like a shit ton of like Gary V, like a bunch of productivity porn. They're like, I have to grind. Hustle then I think, porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think eventually you kind of just get to the point where you're like, okay, maybe I don't need to work more. I just need to be far more productive. I need to be more efficient. Um, I mean, I work basically two jobs. Then I've always at some, I think I had one job at one point in my life and that's the most anxiety I've ever had was just trying to rely on one income. It drove me crazy. So I've always been able to do that. And I think a lot of it is because I've set up systems. Like I wake up in the morning, I make my calendar for the day. Everything's broken down in half hour segments, which, and then I kind of gamify it where I'm like, okay, if I can do this, if I've got this half an hour block to do this thing and I can get it done in 15, 20 minutes, I've now gained 15, 20 minutes. And then if I can continue to do that throughout the day, all day long. Your day gets shorter. Yeah, my day ends up actually getting shorter. And the end of the yeah. day comes, it's either I can work on projects that were sort of planned for the next day and sort of chip into that. And then by the end of the week, I might be like, oh shit, I've got three or four hours where I don't really have to do anything if I don't want to. Very seldomly does that happen, but I might like, you know, maybe I go pick up my kid from school that day and we go do like, it's like little things like that that allow me to do that. So I think taxing on your patience is probably up to the coach like how much because like even like ryan said it's you are kind of in your own driver's seat and i mean the nature of my other job i'm not necessarily and i'm not in any way shape or form in the driver's seat i'm kind of at the mercy of other people uh but even then like i, I mean i work from home i don't put on shoes for most of the day <laughs> like i might not have on, feet. yeah I might, right now i've got on Papa Bear slippers. I wear these all day long. Like I never put on shoes. So I mean, it could be a lot worse. There's a lot worse things that I can be doing. Whether or not it's taxing on my patients, that's completely up to me or up to the coach themselves. Uh, younger coaches, figure out your system. I think would be because I think that's where yeah. this person's coming from. They're coming from how it's it may they may be a new coach and it's taxing on their patients to have to respond to people. But if you create very defined borders of when your day begins and ends, then that way it shouldn't be taxing on your patients because you're yeah. in control. Yeah. So like what having a kid was what really drove it for me. Cause I want, I want to have that time to like stay up or, you know, play with him before he goes to bed or be able to do things with him like right now. So that's why I started training super early because I knocked that out. And then the rest of my day is just for work because I feel I felt like if I would if I would break up work between like eating or training in the middle of the day doing things like that, it took me forever to start getting productive again when I came back to work after doing those things. And uh, Jason, you made a good point one time in the chat, and you were saying like 
it takes like if you get distracted it takes like 30 minutes for you to actually get really focused on something again so that's why like when i sit and work all day my phone's on my phone is on do not disturb because no clients text me they whatsapp me so whatsapp is up on my screen i have my email on my screen i have my google sheets on my screen but my phone's on do not disturb um and I don't look at my phone and I'm just going, going, going. And I found that I've gotten so productive and I work so fast now that um, I am having like four, three hour blocks at the end of the day where I just kind of am like, well, I could do extra stuff for tomorrow or I could just chill. Dude, I like, uh, so I think like Jason, you spoke to like rigidity. Is that how you say that word? Yeah, being being very rigid R- or whatever. It's, uh, it's regidity, tie. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's I think that's the cool thing about coaching is like, I, I think it's a good idea to have that rigidness through your day and, and that plan, but also there's so much room for flexibility and to work with yourself. Like that's one thing that I prize a uh, part of this job is that I talk to clients all the time and I'm always trying to help them um, take the path of least resistance when it comes to anything, like their job, right? And how that gets in the way of what times they eat, what times they have to, and, and you know, the, there's no way around it. And they just, they have certain times they have to work and certain times that they can go train and stuff like that. But it's like with coaching and like working from home, um, you have like your that ability to design your day almost how, how you want, right? Like if you feel your best at two in the afternoon and train, you can do that. Just design the rest of your day around it. And so, yeah, I think there's you just there's finding that right balance of being rigid, but also flexible um, so that you're not forcing yourself to do stuff you hate all the time, like throughout your day, if that makes sense. I think there's probably two things. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, So the first thing, like we have a lot of control. The one thing we don't often have control of is, you know, there are going to be things that have to be set in stone. So like consultations, things like that, meetings, it's like you have, those are just hours out of the day that you have to take. But the rest of it's pretty fluent. There's a day of my week, it's Wednesday usually, is just meetings. That means I get nothing. I'd get no projects done. More projects are just sort of given to me, but there's no actual work that actually gets, that gets done on those days. So it's the times are going to happen where it might be taxing on your patients, but that's not taxing on your patients. That's more or less just taxing on your level of productivity. Um, but that would be my, my big suggestion. I mean, that's how, when you take your car to the shop, that's how they make money. They make money based off the idea that they're going to, they're going to tell you that it takes two hours to change your brake pads. It really doesn't. It takes like 45 minutes. So then they, they basically profit because then that extra one hour and 15 minutes, they then roll into the next project. And then by the end of the day, they might've banked like five or six hours at 140 hour or 40, $140 an hour. And they use that to pay their techs. That's how you basically can gamify and make sure that your productivity is profitable for you at the end of the day. Sorry, Ryan. My bad. Well, I have something way more valuable to say. So okay, fair enough. Forget yeah. all that shit that he just said. <laughs> that was garbage. Get, embrace yourself, motherfuckers. <clears throat> so Dom and I were sitting <clears throat> for an interview with one of the assistant coach uh, candidates. And he said something to us that really kind of resonated. And I've been thinking about it the last couple of days. And he's saying, like, as you become a better coach, you're no longer trading your time for money anymore. You're trading your value for money. And the further you get into your coaching career, the more value you can provide at a lower time cost to you. What I used to sell to people for $100, a training program that would last them two months, that took me three hours to write, I can write that same program in 10 minutes today. And because I've refined my knowledge around training so much, I can charge twice as much. So I think Jason said, this seems like someone who's very new to coaching when they're saying how time consuming and taxing on your patients is it? Because it is very time consuming and taxing on your patients when you first get started. But at, as with any job or you know career path that you go down, you get better at it with time and you make more money per unit of time by providing a greater value to the end user. So it definitely does improve as you kind of work along your career, as long as you're open to continuing to improve yourself, your processes and the the products you're delivering. 
I want to. Yeah, like I just, I just sent out like all new sheets, new training sheets, new nutrition tracking sheets. I'm transferring everybody that's currently on their old programs onto these new ones now, um, just to one increase the value of what they're getting, um, because now I'm adding some more metrics for them to track. I'm making it more, you know, uh, organized for them, so it's just super easy. I'm, I'm dumbifying it for them as much as I can, so that they are able to track everything the way they need to track. And I've gotten a lot of good feedback from it, like clients who've been with me for over a year over two years are just like man this is so much better like this is just getting better and Mm -hmm. doing that one my time is going down spent on things um, but the value of what they're getting is going up and uh, and my clients are really appreciative of that and i think ryan hit that like you have to be willing to change improve work on um your product your you know what you're giving them and, and they get really appreciative of it because they, they don't feel like they're just, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over and over. That was bullshit, Dom. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that was great. That was great, Dom. That was great. Uh, you know, what? last thing I think I want to put in based just from the text of that, uh, because I know that it's something I struggled with and something I'm, I'm probably still trying to improve on as well. And I know a lot of newer coaches probably have that mindset too, but I think it's important to realize that like as a coach, um, if you work 10 hour days compared to 12, or if you work eight or nine hour days, you know, compared to 10, or you do take one day off a week, like you're still going to be a really good coach. Like nobody is making you work um i don't what is that like 60 hour work weeks what you know what i mean like you can still be a really good coach and not be at your desk 10 to 12 hours a day six or seven days a week it's almost like a comparison to like junk volume in the gym like if you want to grow like there's a chance that doing like 15 sets or there's a chance that doing 25 sets per body part will get you marginally better results than doing like 15 to 18 sets but what's the cost? What's the time cost? Like, what is like the like possible injury risk above that? Like, are you going to burn yourself out mentally before you get to that point? So I think with anything, like you said, taking a metered approach where you're keeping the long, the, the vision in mind, because if you do work 12 hours a day and six months into it, you fucking hate your life. Like, congrats. You just burned yourself out within your first six months of coaching. I mean, and dude, realistically, this is a career where you could work six hours a day, five or probably more like six days a week or whatever, and still be a really good coach. You know, like could work one hour a day and still be a good coach. I don't feel like I think I think of it in the opposite. I think of it as we work for ourselves. You this is work at the end of the day you should be willing to work as much as you have to work to be where you want to be. No, 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 no. I think that's that. I, and I think, I think a lot of people come into this thinking they can get away with five hour days. Yeah. That's and a, then yeah. they get nothing done. That's a, that's a good, I mean, I definitely, I don't want to downplay the importance of working hard and long hours. Cause I did it. I did it for like, I had, yeah. I had three jobs for probably 15 years. Like I'd never had less than one job or less than two jobs for a very long time. So I think over time you start to build processes. A lot of it was building like relationships with you guys. Like you guys have made coaching for me 1000 times easier just because I, the, the processes that you've introduced to me, like where I'm like, okay, that's, you're doing it in a far more intelligent way than I am. So why would I continue to do the dumb shit that I was doing before that takes a lot of time? So it's like you, you build processes, you build relationships. It just, you change over time. So yeah, at the front end, you're probably going to have to put in a lot of groundwork. That's But that's with anything. Like if you start any new endeavor, you're going to have to start at the ground level. You're just a grunt. You have to put in the work. Then over time, you can start to probably pare back. When that happens, I guess that depends on the individual. Um, now is probably the best time as a coach because there's more resources than ever on how to like how do i build a spreadsheet what should the spreadsheet look like what data is important to me how do i reach out like all that stuff's there so i mean it's definitely the the best time ever to become a coach um 
but yeah, you definitely have to put in the work at some point in time. But I really yeah. feel like I feel like after about six hours of really hard work, my productivity starts to really slide. I uh I, I I'm one hundred percent with you, Doug. I think that um for just about any coach there is probably going to be a time where you you need to grind and if you just enjoy the grind and it's like a controlled deliberate sort of like path that you're taking um i i think that that's cool grind as long as you want but i i just don't think uh i think there are a lot of people who don't sort of control that and just let it control them and uh, puts them in a spot where they feel like they have to work eight, or eight, 10, 11, 12, when they can have periods of their life where they don't have that type of grind if they want it. I remember talking to Ryan when I was trying to build the website. <laughs> I remember I was like, uh, what is this? this website is going to take a while uh, because if I try to rush it anymore, I'm probably going to be sleeping in your garage in my car. And he was like, listen, <laughs> the website is not as important as the sanctity of your marriage. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to take a little bit of time to get this done. He was like, okay. I said, listen, we grew this business pretty large with a website that looks like it was like drawn on a bar napkin with crayons. Like we can wait on a much sexier website but you guys see this shit right here this this stuff right here this is kind of like what someone messaged me so like question question from the crowd here i forget exactly who messaged me and they were saying like they could really fuck themselves up with these right here those look good really good right chocolate those look pretty butter, legit you get the butter cracker of the wrist as well a little salty and sweet a little savory situation okay I didn't know that. The uh, salty chocolate is definitely good. I yeah. didn't know that gushers were discontinued. As they should be. Well, oh, <laughs> sir, sir, calm yourself God. down. So are you a fruit roll-up or gushers guy? Gushers. gushers. Fruit roll-ups all day, son. Oh, no, no, no. no. Are you fruit by the foot or fruit roll-up? Fruit Ooh. by the foot. By the foot, I, for sure. I feel like something about by the foot just seems like the move. It's like yeah, the same way you listen, buy carpet, you should also probably get your fruit. They make these you know, fruit, fruit roll-ups are kind roll of bullshit. They make it's these like fruit roll-ups at this Arabic store here, and I have to send you guys some okay. because you will Bro. never go back to having bullshit-ass fruit <laughs> roll-ups at Kroger <laughs> or okay. Publix. I'll, I'll take your word for it that um, I shouldn't include those fruit roll-ups in what I'm about to say, but regular fruit roll-ups are kind of bullshit, right? It's like this big-ass chewy dental dam that like yeah. you fucking it's like fly paper you, you have to it's like the beef jerky of fucking candy dude if you try and eat it like beef jerky if you just try and get it in there and, and bite it off you know it's like it's very unwieldy but if you roll it all the way out it's like even worse like how do you eat it then then you have to like eat it like it's a piece of like paper or something it, and then it gets stuck and it to like your looks like shit your, your like thumbprints are in it when you're ripping it apart like so here's the here's the greater question of the day what is the snack food that you guys could completely ruin your b-hole with like what is the one thing that once it starts you're not reining it back in you're really uh, gonna hurt yourself gold, goldfish goldfish any certain flavor yeah. uh no it doesn't fucking matter i could eat the what? whole thing A regular dude. ass i could goldfish? eat the box like you know the milk carton looking one yep. i could eat the whole thing Dummy That's pizza. like one step away from like gr grandma that loves pretzels. <laughs> like, Don, did you know they make ones that have like extra cheese? Have you seen those? Yeah, those yeah, are yeah. good. Oh, the, flavor the, blasted. Flavor blasted. Yeah, can't, flavor blasted. Can't flavor blasted changes things. Can't do it in the house. They have to be out of the house. Can't do it. Because mm -mm. nope. I don't, I don't love pizza stuff, but the pizza flavor blasted goldfish are really good. Really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Jay, Pringles are legit. Jay, what do you what do you yeah. oh. what are you going hard on, dude? If it's popcorn, what like, kind of popcorn? Oh yeah, just plain popcorn. Just uh, well, butter, like, like just cheddar popcorn, just white cheddar popcorn. popcorn, like Smart Pop, like whatever it is. If it's popcorn, Bro, white cheddar popcorn. There's something dude. about it, and it just destroys me. I have a bag of microwavable popcorn every night. I sit on the couch with the wife, we watch Netflix or whatever. I have a bag of popcorn every like, night. But destroys if, your butthole yeah like but if i have the opportunity just coming out like fingernails against your colon dude oh if we out. go to the movie theater beep, 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 beep. and we get like i'm like 
<laughs> they're like, uh, a small is uh, $16. Uh, the large is $54. I'm like, you know what? Worth Give it. me the large. <laughs> and I'll eat the large. Like, Katie will stop because she's a relatively sane human being. And I'll eat the entire bag. And then I'll go back and, like, put more butter in it and shit. And then the next two days, it's just straight out. It's just all just, that. You leave, Lubricant. your lips are swollen like you just got injections done, dude. It just like, kills me. Everything's raw and like salty. Anything, something about like the popcorn texture, like those mini rice cakes that are, uh, they have like almost, they don't want to call it Cool Ranch. So they call it like something other ranch. Like I'll house a whole entire bag of that just because it's kind of like popcorn. And then that'll also destroy me. Popcorn. Down those. Paul. Phenomenal. Paul, what's, what's the snack food? I love, dude, I think anything white cheddar flavored, dude, like white cheddar popcorn or white cheddar popcorners, but that would those wouldn't be my number one. But I've never thought about this before. I don't know if I had it in the rock one, so I'm just song? thinking about stuff that's like just impossible to stop once oh! I start. <laughs> huh? You're like throwing up like Jay-Z's like hand side. <laughs> I was I don't know why I was making the shape of the popcorners I was think I was just lost in my own brain like thinking about this fucking popcorn dude I'm like yes I was like oh, I was like, oh yes. shit yes Rockefeller y'all uh fucking but uh <laughs> dude uh Pringles though Dom said it like what <coughs> Pringles are so fucking dangerous how do you not eat the whole can Christina will get some and she's like oh I want like four of them and she'll set them down and I'm oh, like oh those are Christina's I should let her enjoy those and every time I pass by I grab like a fucking third of the can and I'm like okay this is it but it just happens I walk by and eventually the can is gone and this isn't like a one day process. This is like over 30 minutes. Like, I, I just feel like can't Ryan, I feel like Ryan's a Slim Jim guy. What the fuck? Dog, <laughs> leave. Get out of here. Fuck Slim that Jim. That is just some dumpster. Yeah, garbage human. <laughs> He's like, I'm a jerky connoisseur. Yeah, like if somebody told me if I had imagined a guy whose favorite food was Slim Jims, he for sure would be like a homeless dude and definitely have STDs. That's like a it's like an old Yo Mama joke. Like Yo Mama Joe is so fat and trashy. Her favorite snack food is Slim Jims. Like that's an insult that you bring. To, Damn, that's to a Dina's party. favorite snack. Oof. Really? Like yeah. if Slim Jim like could be Slim like Jims or like I can't real I can, deal. No, no, no. Like legit Slim Jim Fuck. mild. I can imagine Dean is like, what's the finest Slim Jim in town? Like they're your <laughs> search around Michigan for like this one Slim Jim. They sell it at this one gas station like, like every art, six months. Artisanal Slim Jims. <laughs> like if Slim Jim could be like a bodily attribute, it would be a genital award. <laughs> like. <laughs> I was reading about hot dogs the other day. So like hot dogs are just like processed meat inside of a casing. And when you eat the hot dog, you like dissolve the casing and you're just left with the processed meat and then your body becomes the casing. So when you eat a hot dog, you be you become the hot dog. So I wonder if it's like the same thing for Slim Jims. Oh. Christina loves fucking hot dogs. God, I hate the hot shit dogs. is <laughs> blows my mind. Can't, can't do a hot dog. I mean, I'll, I'll eat them if they're like around. we go and get hot dogs. I'm like, why don't you get these? These nice yeah. ones. It says like all beef. She's like, no, I want the ones that are like 79 cents and made out of like leftover chicken. <laughs> like <laughs> when you look at a hot dog, you're like, oh, this this looks like something that's naturally occurring for sure. This looks like something I should eat. <laughs> this looks like something that I should not put in my body. Yeah. Oh, you put it in bread. Perfect. I'll tell you what is delicious, though. If you slice up hot dogs and fry them in a pan, maybe in some fried rice or something, so good. I like beans Man, and beanies. How, yeah, yeah. Like back in the day when I was poor, uh, we would just house like baked beans with, with hot dogs sliced up in it, yep. son. That was that's like, a good place to put a hot dog. Like dude. a little treat. Every other mouthful, you're like, oh, that's a hot dog. And you have baked. to chew. Baked beans are super underrated, and a lot of people shit on baked beans, but uh, they're like a top five bean arrangement for me. I don't think there's any I others. never want them. I never want them, but if they are at a Thanksgiving, I'm always happy. I'm like, I'm glad these are Baked here. beans are an interesting Thanksgiving arrangement. I don't, we, we just do our own thing. Yeah. I was Asian, I'm Asian, man. You know, we just piece it together. This, you know what I love? This holiday doesn't make like sense to us anyway. Let's get completely off topic for a second. You know what I love about Asian people? 
Uh, Chinese food us. places are always open on Thanksgiving, Christmas. They don't give a fuck. They just work. I remember being a single fella. Family lived in another state. Every Christmas, go get some Chinese food, watch NBA. That was it. I love it. Love the Chinese people. But let's go I, back to food. No, I'm going to follow that up. What I also love about Chinese, Asian, well, we'll just say Asian uh, restaurants is they always have the whole family working. It's like the two little kids are like running up and down the aisles of like the tables. And then there's like another like older one washing dishes maybe. And like mom and pop are working the front. It's always this like complete family affair mom and pop shop. It's because we're lazy as Americans. Dom has decided that he's just like, I can't do this. He this wants is, to be off camera for any, like any race-related <laughs> conversations. He's decided that he's going to remove himself from the camera. This is tarnishing my brand. I have to leave. All right. I guess that only leaves me for snack food. And I think that the snack food that I can really hurt myself with the most is probably Nutter Butters. And like mini Nutter Butters that I can do like three or four in my mouth all at the same time. It's just the caloric density and in the peanut buttery. Oh man, those are, those are really, really good. I would get it. I would get it. Like whenever you mention delicious foods like that, I'm like, but this motherfucker doesn't even like milk. I don't like milk. Like, and I don't get it. I like chocolate milk. I don't. But regular milk? Like, like just, right, right, Jason. You know what? I it's not that I don't like milk. It's just not the top of my choices. Or like, no, 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 no. I I thought you were gonna be with me. I just any sort of pastry cookie tasty treat like that just hits milk. so much harder with a with a cold no, glass of milk, especially no. when you can soak the cookie in the milk. Yeah. and make it soft, dude. I can see that. Like it's just like like Oreos, dude. They just absorb the milk, and it's so fast. It's you don't even you barely have to wait for it, dude. Aren't it's hardly an inconvenience. Aren't Asians and, and African Americans so more likely to be lactose intolerant than milk toast motherfuckers like me? Uh, I mean it. I think it so. makes sense. I think that the farther away you get from the motherlands, um, it's like people. a it's like a domestication of cattle thing for like yeah. Eastern European or like European ancestry versus like African ancestry and and Asian ancestry. I don't think that African countries raised a lot of like cattle for the purpose of milk. I think I read that in <laughs> Epstein. Why wouldn't uh, that nobody nobody w ever thought to milk a water buffalo or Ooh, something? Can you milk a water buffalo? I bet you can. Look that up. I, so drink some zebra milk. I bet yeah. you if you go to like one of these fancy like a world not a world market, but what do you call this? What's those places that always have the terrible parking that everybody loves? Um, what's that place called? I actually Whole recently, Foods and all those. I recently places. just sure found a uh, like a. A, like a repository for information about what animals you can milk uh it was it was pornhub.com and if you just type in milk a zebra or milk a cow it'll give you like really good video results on like if that's possible dude i just know like on the other side of that search it's just gonna be a dude painted as a fucking zebra like you know laying on a table for. or something <laughs> It's not going to be good. All right. If we're bringing this thing back to the, back to reeling it heavily back in, we got Jason, look what you started. I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. so when you guys do have clients that maybe they get into their snack food of choice and they go down that binging rabbit hole, how do you, how do you walk them back from that? Like what's your usual procedure on bringing them back to earth post binge, especially if they're like catastrophizing it? So, um, I think we have to think about the, the scenario as a whole, uh, I want to say almost always it's, it's after a big diet, right? And so a lot of times the answer is, um, loosening up on the reins a bit, maybe giving them some more food, maybe talking to them about feeding strategies. Like, you know, for instance, if it happened at night, because they're most hungry at night, let's let's shift more of our food to that window where you're most hungry. Um, you know, potentially pulling back on cardio or activity if they're doing a ton of that. But um, 
you know, also trying other strategies. Like sometimes um, I'll tell people like, hey, you know, maybe this isn't a great time for those delicious foods because they're not very filling and you're going to want more than what you're able to allot yourself. And they may make you want more just in general, right? I was just telling somebody in a diet, I was like, hey, like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are cool. I eat them when I diet sometimes, but if you're really hungry, like that one peanut butter jelly sandwich isn't enough and it's gonna make you want more. And you're gonna, for the rest of the day, you're gonna think about that next peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And if that next peanut butter and jelly sandwich isn't until tomorrow, cause you don't have the macros for it. Like that's not a great way to live the next 24 hours of your life um, every day, right? So I'm like, hey, keep it bland and boring. But you know, I'll tell people, I'm like, hey, uh, don't start your day off with that shitty food, right? Try and postpone it till later. And, you know, maybe try and have a little bit of it after you've already had a really big meal or one of your biggest meals. Then you'll at least like have a little bit of satiety and, and hopefully be in a better position to just kind of stop. Yeah, I think so. I usually, especially to try to keep people from sort of catastrophizing the whole thing is out. I usually go to a few things where I talk, I try to tell them like, you need to have a short memory. Um, and this tends to play really well for people that are, are sports fans. I think about, you know, I'll tell them things like the best quarterbacks and the best pitchers, the best star athletes, when they make a mistake, they just kind of go back to what they did before. So you just have to have a short memory, like don't dwell on it. And another thing I tell people is, you know, nobody really gets fat in one day or even two days. It's all the things that you do after that that can determine whether or not you put on any more fat. So just don't, don't think about it. Um, there's that whole kind of like, just try to take it one meal as a time. There's a number of things I like to use to kind of explain to people that it's not that big of a deal often if they've just slip up a little bit. Um, we're also kind of like, we have weird caveman wiring that's just not set up to keep us from looking for calorically dense foods. We're just not wired that way. Like we want to eat, everybody wants to eat highly like foods with a lot of calories. Like we, we all sort of like highly energetic foods. Like we're always seeking those things out because just cause our brains are just wired that way. We're not wired to just like be really lean or just maintain a weight. We're literally wired to feed ourselves so we can store energy on our bodies and basically do nothing at all. So you're fighting your own wiring. It's not that big of a deal. We all go through it, just work through it tomorrow's a new day. Let's get back on track. Not that big of a deal. And then we'll just, you know, that's more or less what I explain to people. Dude, I want to add just a little thing to that. Um, cause that's one thing for me. Uh, I, I fuck up a lot, right guys? Like my whole life is just one giant fuck up. I don't believe you. And like the, <laughs> the one thing that always makes me feel better and the way I tell clients to kind of look at it is like, once you've acknowledged the fuck up and, and you know, it's there, like, you just got to tell yourself it's fine from here on out. Like I'm going to do better. And then you're, this is my plan to do better. Right. Because you, you just, you can't fucking dwell on it, man. That shit fucking eats you alive. The athlete analogy is a pretty good one. I like that one in terms of the short memory. What I like to do with my clients is I like to sit them down for a little bit of math. I feel like math and numbers for most people really like lets them kind of grasp or rationalize like what actually happened. So we'll, you know, we'll sit down and we'll say, all right, how much did you eat? And what was it? Do the calorie math on it. We'll do a little 3,500 calories equals one pound of, one pound of body fat. Most binges that I've found from clients are anywhere between 1,200 to 2,000 calories over what their allotted calories were for that day. It's very rare that I see someone do like 3,000, 5,000, 7,000 calories. Like that's, that's a situation where like you ate the whole wheel of cheese. I'm not even mad. I'm just impressed. It's like that's the speech that you have to have with them. <laughs> And I usually explain to them, listen, like you went 1200 calories over. If we do, you know, 300, 3,500 calories equals a pound of body fat. It's only 0.3 pounds of body fat. Remember when we were in our fat loss phase and you know, you were losing 1.5 pounds of body fat, like weekly, you're making let that look easy. Like let's not lose track of the bigger picture here. Like chances are you had that binge or those extra calories because that's what your body was, you know, craving in that moment. 
short memory, move forward with it. And usually they're like, ah, I feel a lot better. Cause if they, I think people are like, I had 1200 calories. It's going to convert into like, I'm going to gain like 10 pounds of body fat. Cause they saw the scale go up like eight pounds of water weight in a day. And you have to, you know, eight pounds would of body fat would be, you know, 29,000 calories or whatever the hell it is. Like that's not actually how much you had in that situation. So I like to do a little bit of math. Dom is, is Charlie still yelling at you? All right, so what what do we think that Dom would say in this situation? Me personally, I think Dom deals with clients binging by shaming them. Um, mm -hmm. He won. I think he would yell. Yeah, yelling, yelling. Number one. I think he. I honestly, he might. Man, not. It's so crazy that that's so far from the truth. <laughs> hey, put yourself on mute so no, we can no, answer no. for you. So here's what he does. Yeah. Threats. Yeah, threats. There's some at threats. high volumes. He's yelling the threats. Uh, keep barking, Charlie. Keep going. <laughs> He, yeah. he I also, I've also seen him, what he'll do is he'll increase their monthly payment that they pay him. He emails them and he says, he has a, like a drafted email that he showed me where it's like, you're a piece of shit. You're a waste of my time. If you want to continue to be in my presence, like we're going to go, Not we're going to go with a 50% price hike next month until you show me that you can be on better behavior. And all of this is in a document that he just copy pastes into each individual person when they slip up. So he yeah. just doesn't have to. Yeah, he's got that figured out. He's like, copy, paste, boom. Here's your increase, boom. It's not even individual. No, it's no, not, not at all. all. No. Not your, at name, all. your name isn't even on the message. It's just It just hi. says, hello, shitty human. And then the rest of it is is there. You know, I've also heard rumors, can't substantiate this, that he has like a, an extra cardio and sauna protocol that he puts them on where you actually have to do extra cardio to account for 300% of the calories that you binged on while in the sauna. So it's like a, it's kind of like a dual punishment effect there. Yeah. One of his cousins actually owns a company that sells plastic suits. And so he will <laughs> send a plastic suit to these individuals and then he sends them the sauna and cardio protocol. Yeah. At Cause Dom has a cousin. And he just auto drafts. Yeah. He just auto drafts the card <laughs> and in the email it says, don't worry, I've taken care of the auto draft because I'm afraid you'll fuck that up too. Dom? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? None of that is true. Dom's a very understanding, a very kind no. individual. I usually try to make them realize it's no big deal. Like, uh, I asked them, did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? Yes. Put it behind you. Just get back on your plate. Charlie's Dude, like, I'm gonna is it worth it? Did you enjoy Charlie, it? Huh? Charlie's like, like, this is some bullshit. You're lying. Dad, you're, you're lying. lying. <laughs> Tell them the truth. Uh, hilarious. All right. While he's gone, we'll pull up our last piece. Our good news segment from the internet is, okay. I love articles like this. Oh, there's Charlie. I love articles like this. All right, so we've got a new botanical drug that is a combination. It's from Cannabotech. It is a combination of cannabis extract, cannabinoid plant extracts, and extracts from a fungus that in a cell culture study, eliminated 100% of pancreatic cancer cells. So some more cancer treatment stuff here. I'll tell you what my favorite part of Was it in vitro? Uh, I believe it was, what does it say? In a cell model trial. Cell culture. Yeah, no wonder it worked. So number one, <laughs> I like that piece. The people that cell always model. forget that. It's like a cell, cul it's like, that's like a way of saying in vitro without people like being like, oh, this. Olivia, oh, Latin. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the people that come that read this article and they're like, yes, I told you guys that smoking weed and taking shrooms would keep me from getting cancer. These are healthy behaviors that I'm engaging in. Except the fact that it just worked with a one cell <laughs> in a cell. petri dish. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure killing a single cancer cell by blasting it with chemicals is pretty easy. I, th I enjoy the fact that they put the word they put the suffix tech in their name because that makes it sound very official. If you say something tech, I feel like that immediately makes it a little bit that that validates it for me personally. Anything tech. Gifted performance tech. Tech. See? Ooh, wow, I like it. <laughs> Just like that. I already want to be an investor. I like the fact that uh, we are exploring the combination of 
cannabinoids and uh, medicinal mushrooms. I <laughs> I used to just party like that, but now apparently there's some clinical effects. You, so. you were before your time. Clearly. I know a lot of people that microdose psilocybin for anxiety and depression. I've taken mushrooms before, and I'm Allegedly. not sure. That's something that makes sense. <laughs> I'm not sure. I you definitely know? was not microdosing at the time, so maybe that's the difference. My experience wasn't the same. You were, you were macro-dosing? I don't think I would have been very <laughs> efficient at all. Yeah. Definitely one of those things where like a little bit might be good, a lot of it might might not be great for do anxiety. You, do you guys know anyone who microdoses psilocybin and they're genuinely productive? I know yeah. a lot of people that do it. I actually know it. a few people okay. that are like really, like their quality of life has gotten a lot better. Okay, okay. So I know a lot of people that talk about it, but they're some of the least productive individuals. But they were productive to begin with. Oh. I think that's what's not, that's one of the things that isn't often talked about. It doesn't make you productive. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I feel like if you're lazy, taking mushrooms or smoking or taking some cannabis is not going to help you at all. Yeah, I feel like uh, the... When, when your pothead friend is trying to sell you on it, you're, it's not a good sell. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Some dude drives a, a Scooby-Doo van and he tells you, <laughs> talks to you about how he's been super productive by microdosing mushrooms and he really does nothing all day besides just like watch cartoons, then that's not the source for you. Yeah. No, I know, I know somebody that stopped their antidepressants by switching over to microdosing every day i know they're using it makes sense is it actually well go ahead sir is it mushrooms they use is it what do they use is it ketamine there's something they're using for addiction is it ketamine i get targeted ads i don't know but i do know that they are using I know that they're testing at least. I don't know if they're using it yet. No, they use they use ketamine, ketamine drips for people who are addicted to heroin and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Um, Isn't ketamine like a horse tranquilizer? It is. I th- think it's just an animal tranquilizer in general. Like you I mean, yeah. But uh what is it? Yeah, people are using like ketamine, mushrooms, MDMA, or, or testing it for anxiety depression ptsd shit like that that's one where i could see short-term benefits but long-term exposure to that stuff i don't know uh i i don't know man i mean when you're talking about microdosing it's such a small amount you know like what you know kind of like the dose makes the poison kind of thing um i mean and who's to say that I, I, because I don't know yet. I don't know if the data exists, but you know that long-term SSRI exposure and stuff isn't equally or more risky in some ways. Man, I don't know. That's the person we need to have on the podcast is like an expert in all of this, a brain chemistry around recreational drug expert. If you know someone and it can't be the guy who lives in the Scooby-Doo van, he is not invited on the podcast. No. Carl from Workaholics is not invited on the podcast. Nope. An actual expert. Maybe we have Dr. Brager back. Did I send you guys the video of the Dr. Brager uh, cocaine rats? No. Oh, I got to dig that up. So she sent us a video after we did the podcast with her. Um, I guess her, what was it? Her dissertation? Master's thesis? I don't know what it was. It was like treating rats with cocaine. And she has these great videos of like coked out rats just fucking sprinting around their their like cage and like depriving them and just having them go crazy. And uh, Jake put like EDM music over it, <laughs> and we sent it back to her, and she loved it. It was just like mm-ts, 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 just fucking rats like fucking running circles. That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, I hope this is true. I hope this is a real thing. I think that this could be, I mean, that's an easy solution. I don't know if the man, the man in capital letters is going to let any of this happen, uh, but we'll see. Big bro. Yeah. You know, I hope they're not listening. Well, I mean, as long there's, as they get their there's coin, still, uh, in terms of like pharmaceutical companies, like 
they can still make money off of this stuff like they they can own the the grow things or like whatever like they can probably still turn a really huge profit you'd think right people get cancer all the time yeah yeah i'm sure they'd find a way they'd find they definitely would find a way all right folks that is going to wrap us up here for today's discussion hope you guys enjoyed it you know you do the usual stuff like comment subscribe share it with your friends your homies um you can find all of us our tags are underneath if you have questions if you would like to be part of the question from the crowd segment hit us with those questions so that we can get them answered guys thanks for joining me it's always a pleasure to have your company every single day as always the race comments that Jason makes, they do not reflect the views of Gifted Performance as a whole. Uh, take those as his own. Uh, we'll put his employer's uh, information in the description so you can reach out to them directly. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. In the meantime, folks, stay gifted. Bye.